Welcome back to Renovations, everyone. Conversations about faith and life. So today we're going to talk about mud pies and the boxes that we tend to put God in. And I'm joined again by my co-host, Steve Perkins, and it's always good to be back together. I'm not sure I even know what we're talking about today. (laughs) I I do my best to try to confuse you. (laughs) Mud pies. All right, I'm in. Here we go. All right, so now I'm going to begin by actually telling a story that seems to have nothing to do about either one. But it was a story I will never forget. And this is probably probably a good 30 years ago. And I was playing golf with an older friend of mine at the time, but someone that I had been in a Bible study with for a long time. And we were, we were playing around the golf. And in the midst of this, we were having this conversation about faith, not that I even normally do that when I'm playing golf, but this time we were. And so we were talking about prayer and how God answers prayer. We came upon, after the ninth hole, this water fountain and came to the water fountain and we stepped on it to get a drink of water. It was a really hot day and the water fountain didn't work. So we took off to the next tee. And so my friend asked me, he said, so do you think it's appropriate for us to pray for that water fountain to work? (laughs) And I responded that I absolutely thought it was appropriate to pray for that water fountain to work, even though it was a tiny, self-centered type of prayer, but that I thought God wanted us to pray for those types of small things. Uh He commented that he totally didn't think it was appropriate that we should be concerned about bigger things and not bother God with that type of thing. Uh So it was an interesting discussion. And so we played about three or four more holes and we came back around to that same water fountain. So at this point, our curiosity was enhanced and, uh, (laughs) Walked over to the water fountain and it was just kind of curiosity, but our adrenaline was going and we stepped on it. Of course, there was no water. Right at that moment, someone drove up from maintenance and he saw a step on it and went, oh, I know what's wrong. And he reached down in the ground and he turned the water on. (laughs) And all of a sudden, the water fountain worked. And we both kind of our jaws dropped because it was like God had answered the prayer that we had talked about, but he had done it in a completely unexpected way Uh by someone coming up from the maintenance crew at that very precise moment (laughs) and turning the valve on. And what I love about the story is that in some ways he kind of proved both of you right in the debate, <laughs> because in one sense, yes, he answered the prayer and made it work. But in the other sense, it wasn't just a miracle where it just started springing forth all of a sudden. It kind of happened through another mundane human interaction. Exactly, which, <laughs> which is where mud pies comes in. Okay, so explain the concept. Uh, the, the concept of mud pies is this crazy miracle that happens in the Gospels with Jesus healing a blind man. Now, we know, we believe, I believe that Jesus was the son of God, that Jesus had the power to create heaven and earth, 
that all of the power could be his with just a single word. In this particular instance, though, this blind man comes and asks for Jesus to heal him. So instead of Jesus just saying, sure, no problem, be healed, and he could see again, Jesus stops and he goes over and he gathers this handful of mud. And then with his saliva, he spits into the mud and he forms these mud pies and he spreads them over the person's eyes and then says, go and wash the mud out. And when the man washed the mud out, he was healed. What a strange, strange miracle that God chose, that Jesus chose to heal through mud pies. And we see this actually throughout all the gospels. We see one person that Jesus heals when the person touches the hem of his garment. We see other people that he heals and the person that he heals is nowhere in sight in another city. Mm -hmm. It's all of these strange, unspiritual ways in which God brings about healing. Yeah. And what's interesting about that to me is I kind of grew up like a lot of people maybe in a a church setting where this idea of how to have a relationship with God or especially in that specific instance how it would be labeled as how to be saved yeah it was always a very specific formula and I want to be careful here cuz I'm not actually my intent right now is not to dog that formula it's to say that there was a formula and yet <laughs> The more I read about Jesus and read his words and saw his interactions over time, started realizing it was almost never the same formula for him. Well, exactly. And I've read so many formulas that go along with healing. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, it's not to dog that because I think there are some principles that are valuable, but the problem comes in when we don't think God can break out of the box of those formulas. That's a huge, huge leap. Right, right. And that's that's what, to me, I take out of this story of Jesus healing with mud pies, that he works in the most unexpected ways and that we see God when we open ourselves up to him breaking out of the box like that. Yeah. If, if it's, if it's only a formula, then it, the emphasis is a little more on us, a figuring out or knowing that formula and then be enacting it or kind of pressing the button to get the machine to start working. Whereas if it's, if you flip it, which seems more appropriate, God is so much bigger than us and he is at work and it's more about us, like you said, seeing and entering into that and participating with that. Yeah. You know, it's funny when I think back on that story of the water fountain, I don't even remember whether we actually prayed for that water. We talked about it. (laughs) Interesting. This is a whole twist. Yeah. This is important. Yeah. (laughs) We talked about it, but both of us had absolutely no doubt 
when that water came on after the man turned the valve, that God was in that moment, that God had orchestrated that mm. to teach us both a lesson, Yeah, <laughs> whether we actually said the words of the prayer or not. And prayer, as crazy as this sounds, I hope it, there are no lightning bolts that come out of this. Prayer can be one of those boxes we put God in as if it's all about us having our act together well enough to pray the right words so that God can act. Right, right. And what a box that puts God in. God is so much bigger than our prayers. Yeah. Even. Yeah. It's, I think that is so true. And it's almost mind boggling to think about that, but it's so helpful. It's so helpful. I can remember this group I was a part of for a while where we got together and we talk about different parts of the Bible. And it always made me uncomfortable, the prayer times, like if we would all kind of pray out loud and there was something so right and so good about the intentions of that, right. but how it played out always made me so uncomfortable. And this goes back to some of my early experiences in church settings where it kind of became about trying to say the right words and everyone, it starts to get very homogenous, the words people use and the phrasing. And to the point where for me, I even, I really for a while did not like praying at dinner because it was yeah. kind of that same formulaic thing. You're supposed to say it. And, and it seemed like it was missing the point to me. And so I remember this one time in that small group of people where someone new was there who was just kind of in the beginning stages of faith and relationship with God. And they really wanted to pray and it came their turn. <laughs> they just, you know, quote unquote, botched the whole thing. You know, they said all the wrong <laughs> words. They said it in the wrong way. They didn't have the right phrases. And I remember my wife and I talking after that, like, wow, that was so refreshing. I think that was the most powerful prayer I've heard in a long time. Yeah, that's so good. And it's so freeing isn't it? To think that it's not about us or having the right words mm -hmm. or, you know, seeming spiritual, you know, in terms of the things that we do, that God's got so far beyond all of that. It takes the pressure off. It does. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way. It really does take the pressure off. And it's true. You know, he says God's ways are bigger than our ways. His timing is, yeah. is different than our timing. and But he is concerned with the heart. If our heart's in it, then those things don't matter. Right, which takes things out of the box too. So the other thing I think about with, with that mud pie story, which I think is also really refreshing, and maybe it's just the visual of it, is that I've come to learn more and more that God works in the messy. Hmm. You know, Jesus could have touched his eyes. He could have done all sorts of things. But I think about how messy it is to make mud pies and rub them on someone's eyes. And I too often tend to almost measure whether God is in something by how clean and crisp it is, yeah. how effortless something is. Mm -hmm. And so before we were doing this, you use that phrase that I think is speaks to that of 
it's a God thing. Yeah. <laughs> which means it was nice and easy and wrapped up in beautiful ribbon. Right. So God yeah. must be in it. Yeah. And the implication is that God's not in the other stuff. So if you have an argument with someone or you really struggle working on a strategic plan, well, no, that's us. Right. You know, because God's nice and neat right. with all these it's things. It's in that box. If it's not in that box, then in, that's not a God thing. Yeah. <laughs> but clearly, like the water fountain example, maybe one of his points was, I'm in everything. And sure, he can make that water fountain work or not work. That probably wasn't his concern as much as showing his presence and his and his care. Right. I wonder whether in heaven, when I see God, whether he'll say, you know what? From the foundations of the world, I planned for that man to drive up that cart at that precise moment. <laughs> that that's how big God is. Mm -hmm. So if we really embrace that God can be in the messy as well as in the beautiful and the clean, then that enables us to see God so much more broadly in the workings of our life, to start to see God everywhere and in everything. And to even trust when we can't see him in everything. I, this, yes. this has hit yes. me like a ton of bricks during this. We're recording during the quarantine period of the COVID pandemic. And I, I've had a few moments and a lot of them related to finances and kind of these logistical things that are having to be worked out right now, where I'm very much attentive every day to where God is working or leading me or how I should be listening or obeying or participating in whatever he's doing. That's something I'm very thoughtful about and prayerful about and top of mind. But then there's been these times where I couldn't quite see what he was up to. And then I start to get confused because it's like, okay, God, I can understand if you're taking me through a hard time, but it's for this other purpose you have. I get that. I'm on board with that. But then a step, take it one step further. There's been these times where I actually can't see what he's up to. I don't get what is his purpose in this particular situation. And then I get confused and lost. And it keeps occurring to me during this pandemic period that, guess what, Steve? His ways are bigger than you can understand. So even when you can't understand it, He's still there and it's bigger than yeah. you can understand. <laughs> it's so true. And it's particularly true when God goes silent, mm -hmm. you know, when we don't hear him. Obviously, we can't see him. But when we don't hear him, the question, is he still there? And so we were talking a little bit earlier about um, Pentecost, which we're just beyond. Yeah. And how there was this blank time between when Jesus rose from the dead and even some of his appearances in those first 40 days and the day of Pentecost, 49 or 50 days. So there was nine or 10 days of total, utter silence when nothing was happening and the disciples were doing nothing but waiting. The point of that silence, though, when you look at the story, was that Thousands of years earlier, God had created the circumstances for the festival of weeks, 
which celebrated the time from the Exodus, 49 days later, seven times seven, at which point God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and the Pentateuch. Mm -hmm. Hence, creating this celebration for the Jewish people of the Festival of Weeks. The point now fast forward to the New Testament was that because of the Festival of Weeks, this massive influx of people came to Jerusalem where the disciples were, where they were waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit So thousands and thousands and thousands of people could hear the gospel (laughs) that wouldn't have heard for it otherwise had God shown up earlier. Yeah. The silence was the very acts of God. And what's crazy about that story and, and looking at that big picture is there were kind of two levels of waiting and not understanding God's ways. There was that waiting period for the disciples of those few days. What's going on? Nothing's happening. (laughs) That God clearly knew what he was doing. Right. Waiting for the thousands of people to be there. But there's also that span of thousands of years from the Exodus period of time to this New Testament time and how God's expansive understanding and, you know, he's outside of time. Like, he was doing something that connected those two periods of time, thousands of years apart. And is it possible that that same thing is going on with us now, that his purposes in something that seems utterly random in our lives now might in some way impact people generations from now, that God's purposes are that much bigger And I think that is such, to me, that's such a helpful reminder because like these moments during quarantine where I've realized, oh, okay, God's ways are so much bigger that sometimes I don't even understand what he's doing. I feel fine when I can at least see a connection of maybe what he's doing. Sometimes I don't even know what he's doing. That is still all focused on me and my circumstances and which God is concerned with, right? But I'm I'm only really thinking about my life or maybe my immediate family and friends. And I think it's a helpful reminder that sometimes things in my life, good or bad, might be for the purposes of other people. Yeah. And and I think that it's for those other people. And it's also because in the silence, we're called to trust. You know, it's the silence that creates the need for us to trust. If God always acted spur of the moment, where would the trust be? (laughs) But it's in those silences that we're called and we actually grow our trust muscles. So, yeah, which I think we'll dive more into that on the next episode. But yeah, who we're becoming and the formation of who we are and who we're being, the importance of that, not just the circumstantial (laughs) impacts. Absolutely. What's going on? So, you know, the last thing I think about with this, the mud pies and the boxes we tend to put God in, is that there is one consistent thing, and that's that God is healer. And I I love how if you go to the New Testament, which was written in Greek, that the word for healer, 
the word for heal is the same as the word for save. So when we read in the gospel of God saving the world, that could it just as easily be translated, God healed the world. <laughs> yeah. And so God's saving work is always a healing work. Everything that he's doing in our lives is to heal us mm. and to bring about healing in our relationships, healing in our trust, healing in our bodies, and that God is always healer, even in the messy. So the blind man could have responded to the muddy pies that hmm. were put on his eyes and resisted it, but he knew Jesus was healer. And so he trusted God, even in the messy. And I think that's just such a good reminder to me that when things don't go like I think they should, when God seems to be most silent or things even are going in a really bad direction, that the thing that I can count on is that God is healer and he is always working for my healing. Hmm. That's so good. You know, as you're talking, I'm realizing that I, you and I love to talk about personality types and whatnot. I think we're both wired in this way. I'm wired to want to understand things. I love trying to wrap my head around things or just think through and understand something fully. And so it's not surprising that the first verse out of the Bible that ever kind of was a thing in my life in terms of the Bible being part of my life at all was that verse about Proverbs, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Hmm. And that still, that verse is still so impactful for me today. And maybe it is part of that reminder, especially for a person who loves to understand. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> sometimes you're not going to understand it all, but that's part of it all too. And sometimes maybe there's even more to gain in not understanding. It's something for us to let go of. I mean, lean not on your own understanding. It it does kind of free us up to let go and to say, you know, there's a bigger story going on and I can be okay. And that the fact is, if God could be managed by our own understanding, he wouldn't be much of a God. <laughs> yeah. You know, so all of this is, I think, to expand our vision of who God is and how he can act. Isn't it crazy in the Old Testament that God spoke through a donkey? <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's all to blow away our tiny little visions of who God is. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's helpful for us, particularly in our very scientifically oriented ways that we bring to our faith. Yeah. Yeah, this is great, Tommy. So any kind of last thought or maybe even practical takeaway from this? Yeah, actually, I'll give a choice. You can take one of two practical things out of this. One would be to take a pause for a moment and make a list of the specific ways in which God has worked in your life that you can remember. Make a list. I think what you will find when you do this is that 
God works in ways that are so far beyond mm-hmm. those typical little boxes that we revert to in terms of how God works. So I all of a sudden remember when I think about this of when God answered the prayer on the golf course and those crazy ways in which God answers prayers and all of a sudden our vision gets bigger. So if let you, me add to that one. I'm gonna, okay, up, the, I'm gonna up the ante there because I think it could be helpful as you're making the list to also remember how you viewed things at that point or what you were thinking about that situation at the time. Because maybe, you know, hindsight's 2020. Maybe now you're looking back going, oh yeah, I can see how God is working. But at the time, I probably, you know, in a lot of these scenarios had no idea. I could not see what all was at play. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I I love that. You know, it just, it helps us to think back and remember those things. It does. There's a lot of value in that. All right. So that's choice number one. You make that list and I I love your your add on to that. Choice two is to look for all the ways in this upcoming week that God works in your life. Define all of the maybe different ways when we take them out of the box that God has his hand in things in very unexpected, surprising fresh, innovative, creative ways like God is. That's uh, also a really good one. You know, I have this little prayer. People might have different things they consistently pray or even just consistently think about or meditate about. For me, one that's been long running now for a few years is, God, just help me to participate today in what you're already doing. Oh, that's (laughs) great. Which has been very... Uh, I don't want to overuse. It's just, it's been life-changing for me because you do kind of then uh, go into the day differently and maybe perceive things different versus, like we said, versus I have to go produce compared with God's already active and how should I join into that? What part do I have to play in that? Or just maybe noticing more about what he's doing. Well, and that's also so good because it's such an acknowledgement that there's a bigger story going on, you know, and that's, that's such a healthy thing for us to realize that it's not all about us. You know, we are allowed to participate. What a privilege, but there's a bigger story going on. So thanks. Love that too. This is a great conversation and I'm looking forward to the next one. All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us.